0: Well, hi there, and welcome back to another podcast episode of naturallyhealingautism.com. I am your host, Karen Thomas, and this podcast is generally for parents of children on the autism spectrum. And if you've joined us before, you know that I very commonly interview experts in various fields that offer resources that can be helpful for parents to be able to help their children to get better naturally. We're into natural health, Uh, resources that can be really helpful for parents. Anywho, today our special guest, I'm very excited about this one because I am really kind of a, a natural health geek and our guest today uh, will will really be helpful. We're going to talk about the gut microbiome and in layman's terms what that means is uh, gut bacteria and the gut and how it directly affects the brain. And, and many of you parents, you may or may not have heard, but it's very, very common. The gut has to be healed up for the brain to be able to heal. So we're going to get into why that is and what you can do about it. And and my guest today is Kieran Krishnan, and Karen is a research microbiologist, and he's been involved in the dietary supplement and nutrition market for the past 16 years. And he comes from a strict research background, so he has several years of hand-search research and development in fields of molecular medicine and microbiology, uh, getting his degree from the University of Iowa and uh, also a degree, got his degrees in microbiology from the University of Iowa. His undergraduate education followed up with postgraduate research in molecular biology and virology, which I'd love for you to say a little bit about, too, because virology is very interesting, and viruses are really common uh, for children with the, with, on the autism spectrum. And also, once Karen uh, had left the university um, to... For research, then he got into uh, enzyme therapies, and I'm really, really excited about getting into that a bit. Worked for Amano, one of the world's largest suppliers of therapeutic enzymes, and we'll get into the differences between therapeutic and food based. And then also um, has basically a strong background in nu- nutritional research and development for food based resources, and now in research and development, he's involved in three clinical trials on probiotics and the human microbiome. And Kieran brings his extensive knowledge and practical application of the latest science on the human microbiome as it relates to health and wellness. So welcome. Uh, Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it.
1: You are welcome and thank you for having me. It's so nice to be here.
0: Good. Well, we have some exciting uh things to talk about. Uh the microbiome is so, so important for children on the autism spectrum. Anyone, anyone, whether or not they're on the autism spectrum, but specifically the kids on kids on the uh the spectrum tend to have uh very um uh weak and and uh, how do we say, uh, we call it gut dysbiosis, but I like to use more layman's terms of, you know, th- the gut is just really unhealthy and the microbiome, all of that gut bacteria isn't working properly and isn't strong enough. They don't have enough of the good bacteria and too much of the bad. So, can you, you know, go ahead and explain to our listeners a, kind of in general about the microbiome?
1: Yeah so let's uh let's define the term microbiome first so microbiome refers to the totality of microbes that exists in and on the host and the host of course being us and and not only just the microbes but all of their genetic elements as well and that actually becomes even more important and is even a deeper layer of connection between us and the microbial world that exists in us. Um, and, and we're really one in the same, you know, there's a, there's a term for a human called a holobiome. Uh, it's a fancy term, but it basically means superorganism. And what that means is that a human isn't what we used to think of ourselves as, as a collection of organ systems, you know, a heart, a brain, a lungs connected with tissue like neurological tissue, vascular tissue. What we are is a walking, talking rainforest we are an, an incredibly complex ecology made up of thousands of species, including the human species. And the communication and the synergistic balance between those species really determines health and wellness. Now, when it comes to autism, what we're starting to see is more and more compelling evidence that when we disrupt that important ecology, that it leads to these kinds of disorders. And autism, is a uh, cognitive developmental disorder, and we know with, with really good certainty that the cognitive development process starts with the gut bacteria. Um, it, ha- it starts in utero, and then it, it, it continues and progresses really rapidly j- right after birth. In fact, the brain and the gut, the second brain, come from the same tissue. In the embryo when you look at embryonic differentiation that basically means when the embryo is turning into a human and different parts of the embryo become different parts of the human the same tissue within the embryo differentiates into the brain and the gut and so they are intimately connected Um, you know so there's a lot of evidence suggesting that disruptions in the gut early on disruption in the gut makes you much more susceptible to um, spectrum disorders um, and it can be everything from, you know, uh, you know autism on the, on, the, on the most intensive scales, but also even things like behavioral disorders, um, you know, and, and all of those things fit along the line. And the severity of the condition, it kind of correlates to the severity of the dysfunction in the gut itself.
0: And there are so many things too in our society that uh, mom might have already been, you know, having a poor diet with a lot of sugars or alcohols or uh, processed foods and the chemicals that can throw off the gut biome and even high stress can throw off the gut biome. So if mom has problems already, maybe some, you know, pathogenic bacteria, overgrowth of candida or yeast, things like that, then she can pass them on in utero to the baby. So then the baby is actually born already in a a bit of dysbiosis, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that's a very important point to note that babies get their microbiomes from their mom. And if mom is not passing down a healthy subset of bacteria, then she's passing on risk for disease like ASD. Um, And in fact, there's some really good studies on this. So what mom does in terms of fixing her health prior to having a baby and during pregnancy has a significant impact on the risk for ASD. Um, I'll give you an example. There was a study done, uh, and this was done on mice because it's very hard to do this on pregnant women, Um, but basically what they were looking at was gestational stress, right? So stress during the pregnancy process and and the risks of developing cognitive issues and ASD as a result of having high gestational stress. So they took two sets of pregnant mice and they put one set in what we would call a mouse utopia, having no stress at all, being fed, well without any any tasks on a daily basis that would cause the animal stress then the other group they put them through a very high stress kind of condition during the gestation process what they found was that the 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 infants that were born from the from the pregnant mice that were that were undergoing no stress were perfectly healthy no cognitive development they they exhibited normal functional behavior right off the bat but the mice that were, the, that were born of the moms that were undergoing stress, uh, a big majority of them were born with autism symptoms. Wow! And, and then to further compound on that data, what they were able to do was take the serum and blood samples of the m- pregnant moms that were undergoing stress, take those samples, inject them into the normal bon- born uh, uh, progeny, and they develop autism symptoms
0: and that was those were
1: blood samples those were blood samples from moms so all of the stress hormones and then all of the resulting toxins from the stress and we'll talk about how the toxins end up in the gut from this uh, in the circulatory system from stress all of those things were enough when put into the newborn infant was enough to cause the autism spectrum disorder symptoms so what that demonstrated was that um the health of mom's uh, you know, gut and the health of mom's uh, system is a major determining factor in the risk for ASD. You know, now uh, the, the risk of saying that is we don't want to create guilt in right. moms, you know, that are, have kids with, with ASD. It's not their fault. They didn't do anything wrong. Most of this information was definitely not known. Your doctors and OBGYNs will not know to tell you these things. And it's not unusual to have stress during pregnancy, especially based on your life circumstances. What's important to note from this is that it's it's an ecological issue. Mom's stress has disrupted the ecology of her baby's microbiome. And that has caused symptoms. The beauty of an ecological issue is that it can be reversed. You know, no different than having an ecological disruption in your garden, where all of a sudden, because of some stresses, you know, you end up with more weeds than, than the good plants, you can change that. The good thing about this is you can change the ecology of your gut and thus your health and wellness of your body. Um, it's better than it being a congenital issue, meaning mom is passing on some sort of genetic defect that cannot be changed, right? So, so that's what's promising in this study. So, I want to make it a, a note to mention that mom should should not feel guilt. It's not their fault. They didn't do anything wrong, uh, and that's an important thing I always want to. Yeah, and thank you for
0: saying that because so many moms I think already just do feel guilty <laughs> no matter what. Yeah. Personal responsibility they they did something wrong and then they hear something like that and they go no Well, yeah, I had stress or I wasn't eating well mm-hmm. or you know So then they automatically go into that's all they can focus on they can't even
1: think totally, about yeah.
0: their child so, um and then also very important then once that baby's born, you know, uh, being sure, you know, uh, breastfeeding and, and the mom's eating the right foods during that time period, but also, you know, um, once the baby starts eating uh, food, some of the first foods that babies are, are given are, are processed carbohydrates, which are then feeding mm-hmm. the, the, the bad bacteria because those turn to sugars in the body and those, they, those bacteria love to eat, feed on sugar. A lot of parents will say, oh, my kid craves gluten or craves mm-hmm. carbohydrates or crave sugars and it has to do with that that microbiome those those bad bacteria are just craving that as food so that's important yeah. I, I like to make sure the parents know that so they are not feeding those children those types of foods
1: Yeah, it's extremely important. So let's say the the child is born with a dysbiotic flora, meaning an imbalance of good and bad bacteria within their gut, which makes them then much more susceptible to cognitive development issues like ASD. It also makes them more susceptible to things like allergies, asthma, and a a whole host of immune dysfunction. So ASD is is a part of it and and it can expand out into um, other conditions as well. Now, What can you do then, you know, in the beginning? Um, Or if you're not in the beginning anymore, your child is now six, seven, eight, nine years old, what can you do now? Um, And like you mentioned, what we put in that child becomes extremely important because one of the things people need to realize is everything that goes into the system of the child has a selective pressure on different types of bacteria within the gut. So, for example, if you're putting in foods with a lot, bunch of preservatives in it, it tends to select against good bacteria within the gut that are susceptible to the uh, preservatives, and it, it selects for more robust, in some cases, pathogenic bacteria that can withstand the preservatives better. Right. So, and and when we and we know when it comes to ASD that the presence higher levels of certain types of pathogenic bacteria. are are directly correlated with the presence of the disease. So Clostridia as an example, Clostridia tetani, Clostridia uh, histolyticum, Clostridia boltea, these are bacteria that have been shown to be present at really high levels in kids with ASD and not present in kids without. So, in, And and these are pathogenic organisms that produce toxins in the gut that disrupt the gut-brain connection and disrupt the formation uh, of, of different parts of the brain in a, in the proper way and so what we feed the child selects for these types of bacteria or can select against these types of bacteria depending on what you're putting in you know so we could talk about you know what the diet should look like and what things should should be avoided Um, and and again you can always start to reverse the process you know if you're listening to this and your child is two and a half three years old and is just now starting to display symptoms of asd uh, or some form of it, you know it 's a great time to intervene and start making those changes, but it doesn 't mean that if your child is twelve that you can 't start making those changes and start seeing improvements. We see it all the time with with kids of uh, every age. We just got a report from a uh, a mom who who were working with with one of our probiotic products um, whose child is twenty eight and and making significant changes, you know yeah. for the first time in 28 years So it can change and that's a that's a really important message. I think
0: yeah, it definitely is some some people People ask me that question all the time, you know, Karen my child's 23 or my child's, you know 38 can't you know, can we still do anything for them? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. They just need to know what. Right. To do. Yeah, yeah, that's fabulous um I I had a couple of questions too um, because we were talking about that gut brain connection too, um, but also it, uh, it might be good to tell people, um, let them know there are some things that are built in the gut, like uh, some neurotransmitters or brain mm. messengers, and that can affect um, have direct effects on mood and sleep, appetite, the ability to focus, all those things. Yes.
1: Absolutely. So the gut is is considered the second brain or the other brain. Um, In fact, if you look at the gut, there's something called the enteric nervous system. The enteric nervous system is basically this extremely elaborate and and, uh, complex neurological system that covers the entire digestive tract. It starts from your mouth all the way to your bottom and and what's surprising about it is the amount of nerve endings in the enteric nervous system um, Surpasses that that you find in the in the spinal cord So it's a it's an even more complex Neurological system than your own spinal cord is and so that is that part that enteric nervous system is considered the second brain now the the things that are in control of the second brain are not us, because the second brain is part of the peripheral nervous system. It's not, it's not part of the central nervous system, which makes up your brain and your spinal cord. It's the peripheral nervous system, and even more so, it's the autonomic nervous system. Now, it's a fancy term, but what that basically means is it's an involuntary part of your nervous system, meaning we can't control it in any specific way. We can control our skeletal muscles, right? We can voluntarily move our arms and blink our eyes and turn our heads and breathe or not breathe. These are all part of the voluntary parts of the nervous system. There's a whole section of the nervous system that's functioning every single day doing critical things that are autonomic, meaning we have no control over it. And, um, and, but what does have control over the second brain is all, are all of the microbes that exist within your gut they have direct control of this part of the nervous system. And this part of the nervous system is connected to the brain in your skull through something called the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is this very uh, interesting complex nerve that directly connects the gut brain and the brain in your skull. And the microbes in your gut brain can send a whole host of signals and this can be hormones it can be neurotransmitters it can be immunological signals uh through through immune through your immune system it can be metabolites that they produce you know compounds that they produce that affect your brain function they have four major ways of communicating with the brain in your head through the gut and it can be anything from telling your brain to stop producing the hunger hormone because enough food has come in. It can be sleep signals. It can be awake signals. It can be cravings. So a lot of these kind of sweet cravings that you have, uh, food cravings come from the bacteria in your gut making you want to eat a cupcake or making you want to eat sweets. Um, It comes from them. They produce these signals and send it up the vagus nerve into your brain. And the same thing with serotonin. 90, 95% of serotonin in your body is produced in the gut. We know serotonin is the happy hormone. We know that kids with ASD have serotonin dysfunction and and issues with the levels of serotonin. Dopamine is another one that's also produced in the gut, uh, which is part of the reward centers of the brain. Uh, We know that kids with ASD tend to have dopamine receptor issues and dopamine functioning issues. That is produced by the bacteria in the gut and sent to the brain so there's a, there's a whole host of uh neurotransmitters that are, that are being produced in the gut could and sent over to your brain and when you have a disruptive gut the production and the use of those neurotransmitters get t- completely decimated
0: right yeah and i know uh anxiety is a really big one for kids on the autism spectrum and that sensory overload piece and mm-hmm. gaba um is um i don't mean GABA amino butyric acid is what it stands for, but it's those receptors are made in the gut. And along with that vagus nerve between those two, uh, GABA's job is to calm the nerves down. The vagus nerve tries to balance everything and keep things calm. So if those two are askew, you definitely can have a lot of anxiety issues.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It, just, from the, just from the serotonin imbalance alone can drive anxiety issues. Um, and also leaky gut. We'll talk about leaky gut as well. Yeah. I think it's it's a very important thing to talk about. But certain components of leaky gut can actually go through the the second brain in your gut up to your own brain and actually get into the brain and disrupt serotonin function in the brain in your head and, um, and dopamine function as well. And even GABA production and BDNF, which is b- brain derived neurotrophic factors, all of these things that are important for balancing emotions and responses to emotional cues, mm-hmm. all of those things are, are originate in the gut which is, which is amazing. So like one great line of evidence of that is, you know, the fluoroquinolone uh, antibiotics, things like Cipro or gentamicine, their, their number one side effect is anxiety. You know, it's not diarrhea. It's not gas and bloating and bowel issues. It, it causes anxiety and depression in people because the antibiotic is so powerful and disrupts the microbiome enough Mm -hmm. that it screws up the gut brain communication and causes uh, cognitive issues. So it's it's a really, really important connection to appreciate and understand because what you have to know about your child with ASD is they've got um, you know, a lack of the right balance of neurotransmitters and signals going to the brain to allow them to perceive the world around them in the appropriate way and react to the world around them in the appropriate way. But most of that is coming from the gut. Right. So without addressing that part of the gut, it's so hard to make significant progress in treating what's happening inside the brain.
0: That's a perfect segue to uh, for us to move into probiotics and and there's a lot around probiotics and some have yeah. you know uh, the the numbers do I go into the billions and some people say well if I go into the numbers the strains are in the billions then that can cause autoimmune reactions for some which one right. is the right one to use which ones are not okay to use how should they uh, their sources be where what should their sources be where should they they be de- deprived from uh, or derived from there there are a lot of things uh, long term use versus short term use and um, and the same strains creating um, possible um, you, know, my, you know like a monoculture so I really like to address those because these are questions that come up all the time uh, with my parents that that are contacting me and so I, I like you're the perfect person to really. Uh, discuss that and we, you know, definitely uh, leaky gut. And then I really see um, Previtella has talked about so much about one of the um, the bacteria that are so low in children with autism and building mm-hmm. that up with things like uh, fiber, but then kids can't always eat fiber right away. It's a slow progression into that because they can't digest it well. So mm-hmm. I know I've just thrown a ton of stuff at you, mm-hmm. uh, if you could kind of... Move into that, and, uh, those pieces, because I know they kind of all fall together. That's why I was lumping them. But so uh, They do, yeah. Uh,
1: so to, to, um, to kind um, of you know, uh, put it together, let's talk about probiotics, what kind of probiotics are important um, and can help with ASD specifically, and then also what are some of the other things we can do in addition to the probiotic to help the right type of flora flourish within the gut? for asd kids um so going to probiotics first so we know that the that the dysbiosis within the gut that is associated with um, ASD falls into a couple of different categories. One is that tends to be too many pathogenic organisms in particular of the clostridium uh, species. So clostridium is a spore forming organism that's very resistant to antibiotics, um, does better in a higher pH environment. The few clostridium species that are very closely associated with ASD um, are, are very strong, robust organisms. And it's it's hard to get rid of them, um, you know, by just using antibiotics or trying to outcompete with reg- regular conventional probiotics. So a probiotic that can help with ASD has to be one that can directly compete with and drive out these Clostridia species. The second thing is when you drive out the Clostridia species, it has to be replaced by other beneficial bacteria. And so a pro- a good probiotic should be one that can help replace. Uh, good, uh, the the space of clostridia with other um, endogenous beneficial bacteria. So bacteria that are already in the child's system that are good, but are tend to be suppressed because of the overgrowth of clostridia. So how can we bring those up? The second, uh, the third part is leaky gut is a really strong characteristic of kids with autism. There was a Harvard study published in, I think in 2009, that showed that over 45% of autistic kids have severe leaky gut versus non-autistic kids have almost no leaky gut. So we know that leaky gut and then all the resulting effects of leaky gut, which is something called LPS. It's a toxin, an endotoxin that comes from bacteria in the gut that tends to leak into the uh, circulatory system. That toxin creates a lot of the brain dysfunction that is associated with, um, with autism. So, some, so a probiotic that can help leaky gut becomes critical as well. The last thing is um, in a 2015 review, it, so this is a very recent study, um, it, was, it was titled Microbiome Disturbances and Autism Spectrum Disorders. So this study was what we call a review paper. It reviewed a whole bunch of other studies on the relationship between the gut and autism spectrum disorders. And they came up, the researchers came up with a a set of criteria for probiotic that would help with autism. So this is based on all of the existing science. And what they showed was um, a probiotic that can produce antioxidants in the gut is a very important factor in autism because oxidative stress in the and inflammation in the digestive tract is a really strong characteristic of ASD kids. So, so to review that, one that can fight off those pathogens, the clostridia, one that can heal up the leaky gut, what one that can increase the growth of good bacteria like the prevotella you mentioned, but other ones like bifidobacteria, autism kids tend to have low levels of bifidobacteria, um, and one that can synthesize antioxidants. Those are some of the four main characteristics of probiotics that can help. When I started working in probiotics over 15 years ago doing the research, I found that very few probiotics had any of these characteristics to them. Uh, most of them, are they don't survive through the gastric system, so they're dying going through the stomach. So what you're getting when you're taking those is a lot of de- dead bacteria moving through. Now, some of those dead bacteria can have beneficial immune stimulation, but they're not going to compete against that clostridia. They're not going to fix the leaky gut. They're not going to produce the antioxidants. So what we found was these bacillus endospores, they're really really interesting bacteria that have the capability to survive through the gastric system and once they survive through the gastric system, they get in the gut, one of the first things they do is start fighting against those clostridia and other bad bacteria. Things like E. coli, Campylobacter, Streptococcus, they fight against the bad bacteria and directly get rid of them. At the same time, they produce a bunch of nutrients that help the good bacteria grow. So they can increase the Prevotella. They can increase the Bifidobacteria um, and all of these beneficial bacteria that tend to be low in autistic kids. Uh, They also change the gut environment. They acidify the gut environment so that the pro-autistic bacteria are suppressed and and the bacteria that help, uh, Fix the gut are increased. Now they also fix leaky gut. We just published a study in August, uh, on August 15th in the World Journal of Gastrointestinal Pathophysiology. It's the first human study on a probiotic fixing leaky gut. And we published that study based on our research with us with the spore-based probiotics that we work with. And then the crazy part about it is these spores also produce antioxidants in the gut. So they're the only probiotics that produce antioxidants in the gut. So As far as we know, the spore-based probiotic that we work with are the only ones that fit the criteria published for an important probiotic for kids with autism. So, you know, you can take a lot of different things. You can take yogurts and all that stuff. They might help some of the digestive functions, but they're not really going to fix the major problem. Right. that, call, and that seems to be associated. And they're mm-hmm. processed. They have sugars in them and preservatives and all these things that aren't going to help you in the long run and, in fact, could even cause more harm. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to probiotics, we say, you know, these bacillus endospores that we work with that's, that found in the Just Thrive product um, are, is, is one that is so um, naturally designed to work with autistic kids.
0: Okay, and I know that you've had really good results with uh, the product, your product called Thrive. Mm-hmm. And um, it has those, it has, I believe, four strains in it, correct?
1: Right, yep, okay. four strains of the Bacillus endospores, yeah.
0: Okay, and why yeah. did you choose just those four and not any more? And I, that right. leads me into what if you remain on that same one for a long time? Is it creating a monoculture? Are there more? Uh, more strains or other things that might could be needed in the future? And do you shift around at all?
1: Uh, No, we haven't found any need to shift around. Now, what's really interesting about these strains is that they have a um, a given um, lifespan in the gut. So they are transient in that way, meaning they spend on average about three weeks in the gut and then they leave. So even if you took very, very high doses of them for a long period of time, you would never develop this monoculture issue because they end up leaving themselves. You know, So they're, they're transient microbes in that, in that sense. Now, the other thing is um, the vast majority of probiotics you can find in the marketplace cannot get into the gut, survive, and actually colonize. So you can't really increase the diversity of your gut by adding in all of these strains from probiotics, they basically die and go right through the system. Um, so one of the best things you can do to try to increase the diversity of strains within your gut is to improve the condition in the gut for the growth of those strains. You know, So assume, like let's take a garden as an example. Um, let's assume you have this garden and you have all the seeds in the soil for a diverse set of plants. But the soil and the garden condition aren't favoring the growth of those seeds, and so you start getting more weeds popping up. But if you can go in there and and recondition the garden so that the soil is more favorable to allow those seeds to grow, then they will start to grow. So most people have a good number of those seedlings of good bacteria within the gut. We just have to give them the right condition for growth. And that seems to be what these spores do. They get in there and they totally recondition the gut to favor the growth of all of these good organisms that are there, but not growing at the moment.
0: Which I love because the bottom line is the the body is this amazing, amazing thing. And if if, if it just has what it needs naturally- It, and you can get, you know, the stuff it, it, that's harming it, the toxins and all that junk out of the way, and then feed it properly. It can take care of itself and restore itself, but it needs it needs support and it needs to be able to have those right things coming in to help it do that. So, yeah, bring it all back it, to nature.
1: Yeah, it needs the condition. If you put your body in its natural state, in its in its um, ideal state, it can fix and prevent almost any problem.
0: Right and what about um prebiotics which are food Mm -hmm. for probiotics are you um have you found that if the body is fed proper nutrition and then starts to again absorb the nutrition because we also Mm -hmm. know that especially kids with asd leaky gut etc in the in the beginning when you're first starting to work with their system they're not always absorbing the nutrients from the foods that they eat because of the leaky gut So, um, you know, adding any prebiotics that are needed or what your, you know, any suggestions in that realm at all, or just going ahead and doing the the process slowly to move the the child into a a healthier system, fixing that leaky gut and and everything else. Yeah,
1: well, so there's a few things that can be done. Um, I think uh, prebiotics are a a good option, but of course, you want to be careful that the prebiotics are um, are not being added in at too high too high a rate too fast because it can produce gas and bloating and other negative symptoms that would then upset the child more. Um, but there are a number of nutrients that can be added as well. So... Um, Colostrum, for example, can be quite important in, in regenerating the immune system within the gut and neutralizing some of the toxins that come out of a dysbiotic gut. Um, another one is called lactoferrin. Lactoferrin is a component of colostrum, but you can get it um, as, a, um, as a singular uh, product. And lactoferrin neutralizes many of the toxins that cause the inflammation and then the leaking in, into the system. Uh, L-glutamine at at levels of two to five grams a day, can be really important in regenerating the barrier within the gut itself. Um, high protein, so high protein can be interesting because you mentioned Prevotella being low. One of the one of the effects of consuming high protein is it increases Prevotella growth. So one of the ways to up that Prevotella level is by increasing your protein intake. Uh, whey protein, for example, seems to seems to help. Um, But a lot of, uh, you know, autism kids are on uh, dairy-free, gluten-free diets. So if you can't do the whey, then, of course, you can go to pea protein and other vegetable sources of protein as well. And we're just talking about getting in, you know, five, six, seven grams a day. We're not talking about trying to get these kids to do a 30 gram of protein smoothie. They're not going to do that. Um, you know, Just kind of sprinkling some of, the, some of the protein on some of the foods that they're already eating just to kind of increase some of those amino acids that they're taking in. Uh, the other thing is these protein products will also have free amino acids in them. And studies have shown that some of these amino acids like serine and proline are really important for regenerating the gut mucosal layer, which is a protective layer in the gut. And when you have a stronger mucosal layer it reduces the leaky gut um, effect within the system itself so uh, vegetables, uh, diet, uh, high fiber diet, uh, fiber, you want to introduce it very slowly and build it up over time. Uh, you could start with as little as uh, four or 500 milligrams a day of fiber. Um, you can buy a, a fiber product and just add a tiny sprinkling into food and not you know try to give them the full dose as recommended by the label. You can build up the use of fiber over a three, four week period. Um, and And that will start increasing the diversity within the gut of the of the asd child um, removing all of those processed foods, like you talked about, you know when we look at at babies first foods, most of the u s babies' their first foods are all processed you know they 're canned and bottled and pasteurized and uh, have preservatives in them and all that so that they 're shelf stable the problem with that is if you're starting off with a dysbiotic gut that's only going to increase the dysbiosis so if you can make your own baby food that's so much more important you know uh, eat organic as much as possible one of the things one of the chemicals that's the most closely correlated with autism is glyphosate you know, we know, if you look at uh, studies that plot the use of glyphosate over 20 years and you look at the incidence rate of autism, we see that it, it it's almost exactly parallel. The more glyphosate and the more GMO corn and soy that's used mm-hmm. in any given region, the uh, the the incidence rate of autism increases almost in parallel to the use of those compounds. Right. And so going completely organic and trying to eat the cleanest foods becomes extremely important um, and then using those clean foods to make your baby's first foods becomes extremely important as well. You know, blending it and 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 liquefying it yourself um, rather than buying what's already pre-made and pre-packaged. Uh, right. Because again, we don't know what the glyphosate content is of those pre-made, pre-packaged foods. You know, they're more than likely gonna be really high
0: and uh for the listeners some people if you're might not be if you're not clear on what glyphosate is or it's dangers, i have done another podcast interview with dr stephanie seneff who Is um, a a top MIT researcher who has really delved into glyphosate and its dangers and the effects on autism and I will link at the bottom of the page uh, where this podcast is released I will link to that episode so that you can listen to it um, at on the page at naturallyhealingautism.com where I released this episode I will link to the Dr. Senef episode on glyphosate because it's a very 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 important topic for parents to know about Mm and be aware of and many people are spraying uh, the product Roundup in their yards to kill weeds, mm-hmm. Roundup is filled with glyphosate. So you're inhaling it. It's in your yard. You're breathing it. Your kids are playing in it, maybe on your grass or around it. And it's, it's contributing to leaky gut. It's being sprayed on our food crops. And um, it's very, very dangerous. Uh, and uh, it's important that you do know um, all about it. So I, Again, I will link to that episode so that you can, can learn um, about the, the glyphosate issue.
1: Yeah, and so and, and let me make another point about glyphosate, and it, this might be in that interview you talked about. Um, like you said, it, it's really important because not only is it on all our crops and foods that we eat, but it's also in our home environment because people are inadvertently using Roundup. And so, um, you know, or if they're not using it, their neighbor may be using it. And, right. and because of rain and runoff, it's going to end up in your, in your environment. Um, it is an antibiotic essentially it kills bacteria right and and the crazy thing about it is it tends to kill good bacteria more so than bad bacteria and so what you have is a daily dose of antibiotics that specifically kills bad uh, good bacteria more than bad bacteria you know it's it's probably one of the biggest driving forces of the dysbiosis in the gut so if your child is already born with the imbalance of good and bad bacteria and they're starting to develop symptoms of ASD, the continual exposure to these kind of chemicals can have a huge impact in progressing the disease and, and um, stopping any progression of any treatments Right. as well, you know, because you, what you're doing is you're taking one step forward, two steps back mm-hmm. every single time. And so that becomes really important. And so people really have to understand that you have to make a special effort to clean up your environment around you so that you are... Um, really, minimizing your exposure to glyphosate one of the like you said, the first thing you can do is eliminating it from your use in your in your environment and then also from your food uh, what 's really exciting is there's a new certification coming on board. And your listeners and consumers can push for this even more um, there 's a glyphosate free certification that's going to be um, that 's going to become popular i think over the next year or two where companies are going to be voluntary vol- voluntarily testing their foods and products for glyphosate levels, and then you can find stuff that is free of glyphosate. So it becomes really important to keep that in mind and start looking for that in the marketplace. Because the more you look for it and the more you choose those kind of products with your wallet, the more incentive there is for companies to go that route. And that's only good for your health, you know? Yeah. Two years other ago, things.
0: We, years ago, we never saw gluten-free sections in the grocery store.
1: Look at it. Exactly, they have to Look, keep that
0: because that's what the consumer wants.
1: It's the demand, and and companies respond to consumer demand. They don't really care about your health as much as, <laughs> as you would think. That's their checkbook. They <laughs> care. They care <laughs> exactly. They care about what you're spending <laughs> your money on, and so you have you have incredible power with your wallet and your checkbook. Um, the other two, couple of things to to really try to reduce, if not eliminate, is sanitation. You know, one of the things that we have this misconception of is that we're protecting our kids if we sanitize and clean our homes, right? We that Clorox, that chlorine smell, the sanitized smell is associated with cleanliness. It's not. In fact, studies show that households that use chlorine-based cleaners and sanitize their homes have much higher incidence rate of viral infections and immune dysfunctions in the kids. And so, you know, it, it's, I, I see moms do this all the time. You sit down in a place, um, you know, like in a restaurant or uh, you're in an airplane or wherever, you pull out the, and the antimicrobial wipes and you sanitize that whole environment. You know, mm-hmm. the chlorine wipes and you wipe down everything around you. Uh, or your homes, you're just sterilizing your homes on a regular basis. And that's actually not good. For the microbiome and for the child, um, and the same thing with with uh, you know hand sanitizers and antimicrobial soaps. All of these things have long term drastic effects on the health and the gut gut brain connection uh, in your kids. So you know those are important ways to detox the environment that your that your child is being raised in as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, not to mention that a lot of those hand sanitizers have a lot of alcohols in them, and they're finding really high, finding really high levels of alcohol in people's systems from mm-hmm. the hand sanitizers because it absorbs into your skin. So you have to remember that mm-hmm. everything you touch or touches your skin is going into your body. So, you know, again, it goes back to soaps, shampoos and everything else as well. Um, but yeah. And then, um, I really want to also touch on, um, getting into, um, you, you talked on viruses a little bit there, of course, viruses mm-hmm. are huge with children with autism. So, um, how you're seeing, uh, you know, this increase in the gut biome helping and, and the probiotic increase helping the, um, the viral issues and um and also in enzyme support as well because Mm -hmm. you have a background in enzymes so any additional Mm -hmm. um you know things that you can tell us about that
1: yeah so uh looking at viruses so one of the things that that is really prevalent among uh, people with chronic conditions um, that's both adult and kids, and of course, ASD is a chronic condition, is the presence of these um, chronic infections with viruses. It can be uh, like Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegalovirus, um, a number of viruses that have the ability to remain dormant and, and create these kind of prolonged low grade infections. Now, one of the reasons why these viruses can do that is because of all of the immune dysfunction that's coming and associated with leaky gut and a disrupted microbiome. So 80 plus percent of your immune tissue in your body is in your gut. And and your gut bacteria control a vast amount of your immune function. And if your gut bacteria are disrupted and are not properly training and amplifying and, and teaching your immune system how to function, then these types of viruses can, can uh, remain dormant uh, and, and have a long-term uh, residence in your system. And when they have this long-term resonance in your system, they create a lot of inflammatory responses. Uh, They create a lot of innate immune responses. That's the inflammatory part of the immune system. And those things are associated with disruptions in the brain, uh, disruptions in the gut-brain communication and and so on. So um, they play an important role, but it all comes down to having an unhealthy immune response because of an unhealthy microbiome. Right. So once you fix a microbiome, your body has the ability and the tools to go after these uh, chronic viral infections as well. Okay. You know, um, and then with the digestive enzymes, yeah, absolutely. So um, you, you had already mentioned this earlier where kids with ASD tend to have disrupted guts and because they have disrupted guts, they don't absorb nutrients because they can't break down and assimilate those nutrients. And I always tell people, you know, the old saying of you are what you eat, it's really you are what you absorb. And mm-hmm. so you could be eating all of these healthy foods. You could be going through all this trouble to make healthy foods for your child and and getting them to eat it somehow. But if they're not breaking it down and assimilating those nutrients, a lot of it is just causing inflammation in the gut. And then you're not even getting the infl- the uh, nutrient uh, benefit of it. And so digestive enzymes can be extremely supportive in helping break down that food and assimilate those nutrients. And again, those nutrients are gonna be the building blocks for fixing the physiological issues within the child. Now those are digestive enzymes. So those are enzymes that are designed to work with food, um, add food pHs in order to break down and and assimilate food. Now there's other enzymes called systemic enzymes. Those are things like bromelain, streptokinase, natokinase, uh lumbrokinase these are enzymes that are anti-inflammatory enzymes that get absorbed into your system and don't just function in the in the gut during digestion and in fact these enzymes you would take in between meals you don't want to take them with food present in in the stomach because you want it or in the intestinal tract because you want them to get absorbed into your circulatory system Um, So these are really powerful anti-inflammatory enzymes that can help reduce the systemic inflammation Associated with autism. So two different categories
0: Right, and it's important to note for parents that if you're doing something on a using enzymes Therapeutically that means that you're taking them completely away from food so that they're not working on the food in the system They are left available to have nothing else to work on but what they what what's there that they need to work on, like the inflammation, et cetera. Um, when you yep. take them with food, they're gonna work on the food. So again, taking on an empty stomach at least 30 minutes before a meal and at least an hour or plus after a meal is really best for that therapeutic dosage. And I had a mom just write me write in just uh, yesterday. She was asking about uh, GERD acid reflux for her child. Mm-hmm. She's having trouble getting anything down. And, and I was talking about the, the hydrochloric acid in his stomach being actually often lower when we're having acid reflux. It's not breaking down the foods and then things that she could do about it. So could you talk about that a little
1: bit? Yeah. So some, one of the components of this, of this acid reflux is actually pressure in the, in the stomach. So what's happening is that the the pH in the stomach is not low enough, and so it's allowing for organisms to actually start to grow in the distal end of the stomach. And when it starts to grow, they start to ferment. It's kind of similar to SIBO, a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. When they ferment, they produce all these gas and pressure that that creates pressure in the stomach and can push acid back up into the into the um, the the pipe into the esophagus. And so um, What we're finding is that a couple of things can can help a lot. One is a digestive enzyme. So uh, one of the things that people with reflux tend to have a difficult time breaking down and can kind of cause discomfort is fats. Right, so an enzyme, a digestive enzyme with lipase in it, lipase is the fat breaking enzyme, uh, can help quite a bit. Um, taking some HCL can help as well, um, but but also the probiotic. That's really one of the things that we use primarily is a probiotic for this kind of GERD and reflux that that you tend to see in kids. And in fact, it's very characteristic of ASD. They tend to have a much higher incidence rate of reflux um, than uh, than. Than non ASD kids. Now, what's what one of the things that to be cautious of is one of the tendencies is to give people PPIs when they have GERD. So PPIs are proton pump inhibitors. What we've seen is that this data showing that these PPIs, these prescription anti reflux uh, medications, actually can really disrupt the microbiome further and make it make the GERD even worse, and then, of course, leads to other more complex issues. Um, we also see that moms who are on these PPIs during pregnancy because of GERD and reflux uh, have a high incidence rate of delivering babies with ASD. Mm-hmm. So so you want to be careful of these kind of prescription medications and you know, talk to your doctor in more detail about it and the potential dangers of it. Um, so you want to look at um, you know utilizing something like a probiotic that can help. With with it and a digestive enzyme with, that contains lipase, especially.
0: And I'm thinking probiotics. Uh, we generally want to take probiotics that can make it through the stomach acid and survive that. Right. When we're having upper GI GERD issues, um, acid reflux, and it's up here in our, you know, even into our chest and our esophagus, so we want to possibly open up the capsule and then take mm-hmm. it so that it can break down what's in the upper GI instead of maybe right. keeping it whole. Correct.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and uh, like our probiotic, for example, that we use quite extensively with ASD kids, it's in a capsule form, but it's almost impossible to get a kid to take a capsule. So, no matter what, we pull the capsule apart and we mix the powder in any sort of food or drink. Uh, but that is a great way to deliver it, and you get better exposure in the upper part of the digestive tract.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's really good for, for, for people to know that that's okay to do because we, mm-hmm. we do talk so much about it does need to make it through the stomach acid. But again, yeah, you know, a lot of these kids can't take a pill. And then mm-hmm. also right. then you're able to, able to work on the upper GI issues. So, yeah, that's really helpful. I'm trying to think of... Uh, of anything else and I also wanted to stay back stepping back for a second here on the life ly- glyphosate issue I also interviewed Zen Honeycutt who's the head of Moms Across America which is an organization mm-hmm. that is um, creating awareness uh, throughout now the world for right. uh, glyphosate and they will give um, people free brochures to pass out and create awareness so maybe we could actually help with this guy got glyphosate free certificate um, Piece that might be going on in foods in the future. Yeah. I'll link to that episode on this page at autism.com as well so that parents uh, know where they can get um, those brochures and that information to maybe help with that as well because all that we're doing, all the good food we're creating, we're now learning, okay, oh, organic and feeding them the right wholesome foods and, and taking the right supplements, healing up that leaky gut. But if you've got glyphosate in your food and in your environment and around your home and things like that. And, and, uh, other things that we talked about in this interview here, that to be aware that you don't want to have to be taking too many steps backward with all your steps mm-hmm. forward. You want to just keep moving forward as best you can. So, okay. um, and Kieran, thank you so much for being here. You've been a wealth of information. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add? And I will link to thrive your product. um yep well do you have anything else you'd like to add uh, before we wrap up
1: Um, you know I just want to emphasize again that um, that there is significant hope and that's what's great about all of this is that you really can as a parent Take the health and wellness of your child into your own hands, and with the right information and the right knowledge, you can absolutely improve their lives and their behavior and their function um, in a really, really dramatic way. And that's what's so exciting about this new understanding of the connection between the gut and the brain and how it all makes it uh, how it all works together. Because. It tells us that we can fix it, and that's that's the most important part of it. Um, you know, clean up that environment, get rid of the chemicals. Getting dirty is fine. Going out in the woods and getting in the dirt in the soil is really important for the microbiome. That's how we evolved as a species. We ate, lived, and, and, and bred within the dirt itself. Mm. Um, there's a lot within dirt that can actually help with our microbiome and help with our overall health. Um, you know, cleaning up uh, the chemical exposures, both in your food and your environment, becomes so important. And then just, you know, ha- uh, reducing stress, both on yourself and your child, uh, is paramount, because we now know that stress increases leaky gut. And 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 mom's stress, it, it becomes reflected on the, on the child as well. So you know, I know parents that um, have children with ASD. Their their whole soul focus is is working with their child and improving their child's life. A lot of times, they forget about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and your health is going to be reflected in your kids' health as well. We know that from studies. I'll give you an example. Um, there was a study that showed that, you know, a households where one individual is taking an antibiotic um, and that antibiotic is disrupting that individual's gut, they were able to measure the same disruption in people that lived in that house that weren't taking the antibiotic. So, so I mean, there's like there's like a cloud of of information that our microbiomes exchange. So that your so it's important to note that your health is going to be an important factor in the health of your child. So take care of yourself as well. Um, you know, all of those things you're doing for your child, try to do for yourself as well, um, and and everyone will be better off in general. You know? Yeah. So it's, absolutely. Um, it's a very exciting time we live in because although all of these conditions are increasing in prevalence and it's becoming a little scary and daunting we also have the knowledge now in how to deal with many of these things so um you know it's uh, there's a lot of hope out there
0: and this is how for any new listeners um how I started with this 12 years ago my own son was diagnosed with autism and uh, through now my 12 years of research and everything I've done with him, he no longer has symptoms of autism at all. And so I I interview experts, I continue to research, and I give resources for free on my website to help parents and educate them on what they can do and give them that hope. And I'll link to it if you're interested. I have created an online step-by-step program Um, called the Autism Moms Mentor Program that uh, walks you through every single piece that I did very simply because there's so much confusion out there and so much information now that it tends to just throw us all off. And not only are we spending more time on trying to research and figure out what really is a good product and what isn't, And then also, not only the time, but the the money, the resources trying to figure it out. So I have weeded out what I see as about 95% of it being not worthy. And I've taken the 5% that's amazing and put together this program for you. So if you're interested, uh, AutismMomsMentor.com, or I will link to it at the bottom of this page where this podcast is released at NaturallyHealingAutism.com as well. So yes, it's about supporting parents because it's it's important that you know that your children can get better and every child's degree of better is going to be different but that that we're seeing results and progress everywhere all over the world so you can make a difference but you definitely definitely want to take care of yourself as well Mm -hmm. Uh, i always tell parents if you're doing you know all those good things you're doing for your child you should do them too especially since that possibility of the child Starting some of it's got not all of it. Some of it's got dysbiosis could have been in utero So mm-hmm. mom might have more issues and that that doesn't let us handle stress as easily if we have yeah. those guys going on too So right. you want to take care of yourself right build that back up so that uh, your stress level doesn't create a lesser You know or a weaker microbiome of your own and then you know, you're you're tumbling backwards while you're trying to get your kid better so Anyway, thank you so much, Karen, for joining us. Really, really appreciate your knowledge and uh, and your support for what you do as well. And um, and uh, yeah, anything else to add?
1: No, thank you for having me, and uh, and and bravo to you for all the great work that you're doing. You um, know, getting this information out there to people. So thank you for having yes. me and giving me this opportunity to talk. Ah. All
0: right, my pleasure. Thanks again. Take care. Take care. care. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
1: Bye.